0: Hello and welcome back uh, to another episode of the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. My name is Matthew Roberts and we are continuing with our bite-sized study today of Jacob chapter 5 through to chapter 7, The Lord Labours With Us. And this of course covers March the 16th to March the 22nd. Uh, We are continuing with the actual study of the actual allegory in Jacob chapter 5, Jesus Christ is the Lord of our vineyard. Now, yesterday, I just finished with sharing verse 17, uh, which says, And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard looked and beheld the tree in which the wild olive branches had been grafted, and it had sprung forth and begun to bear fruit. And he beheld that it was good, and the fruit thereof was like unto the natural fruit. Now, obviously, I fully recommend you listen to yesterday's episode to see where we're up to. We are now at the stage where we're looking in verses 15 to 28 to the ministry of and his apostles. And to be honest, I don't really have much to say about this particular section because it goes forth. And if you look at the page spread on the second page of the uh, lesson in the Come Follow Me manual, which if you haven't had a look at it yet, I strongly recommend you do. It says that this is the time of Christ and that as the church spreads, Israel and most of the scattered branches produce good fruit. Everything seems quite rosy, whether it's at the, the main, you know, olive olive tree that was referred to at the start of the allegory, or if you're referring to the other parts of the vineyard or the world where other branches have been grafted into, all of these seem to be bringing forth good and bad fruit. It is interesting that in verse 25, there is one of the places where there is good fruit and bad fruit. Um, And uh, to be completely honest in my studying, and my studying isn't perfect, uh, my studying of it, I I haven't been able to uh, identify so much. I mean, I suppose in verse 25, one thing that I, when I was studying it in a previous time, this might refer to is because this is a good ground, this could be referring to uh, the ancient Americas because we know that it was a promised land uh, to those people. And so in this good spot of ground, which had been nourished for a long time, there was only a part of the tree that brought forth tame fruit and the other part of the tree brought forth wild fruit. And I suppose that that could link to um, the Nephite and Lamanite divide. And of course, at that stage, at the, at the time of the birth of Christ, we know that actually the Nephites were probably being more wicked than the Lamanites in most cases. So when I say the Nephite-Lamanite divide, what I mean is the good, ra- righteous part of that people and the unrighteous part of that people, whichever tribe they were in at that time, uh, being wicked. Um So that is potentially what I think this refers to. But again, um, I have just had this noted from a a previous study that I've had of this chapter. So I can't remember where I got that from or if that was just a thought that I had with it. Um, But as we continue on, we then go into the second or the, sorry, the third part or stage or phase, if you like, of this. And this is verses 29 to 49, um, which is the great apostasy. Now, obviously there's quite a few principles that we need to uh, pick up from this. We know that there is evil fruit amongst all of it. What is interesting as well, uh, is that there is, yeah, that all of the fruit uh, that is in this greater process, whatever, wherever you look, whether it's from the original olive tree or in the tree where, which was planted in the good ground, which I think refers to, um, the, the Nephite and Lamanite land, um, and then all the other places, which is the poor ground or poorer ground, uh, has brought forth evil fruit. There is, one, there is one tree that isn't mentioned again, interestingly. In, ver, in verse 24, this tree, it doesn't mention so much what kind of ground that was planted in, and then that isn't mentioned again. Uh, it could just be that it's kind of trying to get a sense of the scope of how far this gospel was. Um, but That is interesting. Um, but all of this has brought forth wicked fruit. Now, in verse 36... Um, it says, nevertheless, I know that the roots are good, and for mine own purpose, I have preserved them, and because of their much strength, they have hitherto brought forth from the wild branches good fruit. So the Lord here is saying that from the main olive tree, He knows that the roots of this tree are good. This is shown in the fact that there was wild branches grafted in previously, and they brought forth good fruit, so the roots of the tree must be strong and good. And we know that these roots refer to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they refer to the covenants that are made between the Lord and us as we um, kind of go into and and take part in his gospel. And in verse 41, um, you know, the Lord is kind of surveying everything else and seeing how all of the trees in the vineyard have all brought forth evil fruits. Uh, in verse 41, he says, And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard wept and said unto the servant, What could I have done more for my vineyard? Now, again, this is, again, uh, exemplifying just how much love and desire the Lord has for us to be partaking of the good fruits and bringing forth good fruit. Um jeffrey R. Holland said, quote, Looking out on the events of almost any day, God replies, Wherefore, Should not the heavens weep, seeing these all suffer? That single riveting scene does more to teach the true nature of God than any theological treatise could ever convey. It also helps us understand much more emphatically that the vivid moments in the Book of Mormon allegory of the olive tree when after digging and and dunging, watering and weeding, trimming, pruning, transplanting and grafting, the great lord of the vineyard throws down his spade and his pruning shears and weeps, crying out to any who would listen, "What what could I have done more for my vineyard? What an indelible image of God's engagement in our lives. What anguish in a parent when his children do not choose him, or the, nor the gospel of God he sent. How easy to love someone who so singularly loves us. Close quote. As I mentioned in my previous episode, the main theme I I gained from this is not the the pruning and the grafting and the scattering of Israel and the bringing back of the the wild and the tame branches, whilst all of that is important to understand and learn about. But for me, it is the love and the desire that the master of the vineyard has for his fruit to be good and well and, and, you know, have that strength drawing from the roots that he knows that are good, um, which, you know, he wants for all of us. It really demonstrates his infinite love for, for each of us. Um, he then goes on and continues to, to explain just, you know, how much he has done for the vineyard. And now he is sad because, you know, the works that he has are of no worth. And, you know, he should, be, should cast it all into, a, into the fire. Uh, this relates to uh, what is said in Third Nephi twenty-seven eleven, which says, "But if ye, but if it be not built upon my gospel, and is built upon the works of men or upon the works of the devil, verily I say unto you, they have joined their works for a season, and by and by the end cometh, and they are hewn down and cast into the fire, from whence there is no return." There is a clear link here to what to the allegory that Zenos uh, wrote about, and Jacob has shared. Um, and has taken the time to share, let's not forget that. I mean, I've not really made mention of the fact of how much Jacob must love this allegory if he's going to carve into these plates, copy and paste, as it were, a huge allegory, and it is huge, uh, into his into his plates. But... Um, obviously that was so important to him. But in verse 47, it says, but what could I have done more in my vineyard? Have I slackened mine hand that have, and have not nourished it? Nay, I have nourished it and I have digged it about and I have pruned it and I have dunged it. And I have stretched forth mine hand almost all the day long and the end draweth nigh. And it grieveth me, and here's that phrase again, and it grieveth me that I should hew down all the trees of my vineyard and cast them into the fire that they should be burned. Who is it that has corrupted my vineyard? Um, This can apply very much so on a personal level to us. Um, Neil uh, Neil A. Maxwell said, quote, In the anguishing process of repentance, we may sometimes feel God has deserted us. The reality is, is that our behavior has isolated us from him. Thus, while we are turning away from evil, but have not yet fully turned to God, we are especially vulnerable. Yet we must not give up, but instead reach out to God's awaiting arm of mercy, which is outstretched all the day long. Unlike us, God has no restrictive office office hours, close quote. And I think that's an important point. We've talked previously how the phrase his hand is outstretched still in Isaiah actually doesn't refer to the long lasting love, but actually it refers to the punishment will not cease if if things do not change. Uh, But Elder Maxwell points out that in this phrase, we have evidence of him being outstretched to us all the day long. Um, Spencer W. Kimball also said this, quote, it seems that some among us have this same problem. They want bountiful harvests, both spiritual and temporal, without developing the root system that will yield them. There are far too few who are willing to pay the price in discipline and work to cultivate hardy roots. Such cultivation should begin in our youth. Little did I know as a boy that daily chores in the garden, feeding the cattle, carrying the water, chopping the wood, mending fences, and all the labor of a small farm was an important part of sending down roots before being called on to send out branches. I'm so grateful that my parents understood the relationship between roots and branches. Let us cultivate deep roots so that we may secure the desired fruits of, of our welfare labors. Close quote. It is, um, you know, in this apostasy that we may see that the Lord has reached out in love to those that that turned away from him. But the important point is that that love was not seen and the gospel was not seen in the, in the great apostasy, not because the Lord gave up and decided that all was lost, but because those that were there at the time had completely turned from his power, from his love, from the roots that were available that they could draw strength from. Um, and for us personally, you know, understanding this is important because you know, we might have this time of apostasy in our lives where we want great blessings, but even spiritual blessings and physical blessings, but we just don't try and reach out for the roots. You know, in this particularly difficult time in the world, um, it is ever more important to reach out to the roots of the gospel of the one who has his arm outstretched and is working and pruning and digging us so that we can try and have that relationship with him but we need to accept that that we may f- bring forth that good fruit and in this di- very difficult time it's even more important that we pray diligently and seek for his love and, and his support and his comfort i hope you've enjoyed the study today if there's anything you've been studying please share it at Session at gmail.com or of course you can join the facebook group church of jesus christ study session with come follow me and i'd love to share what is being shared on there From others uh, in future podcast episodes. Thank you for listening, and until we meet again.